by Smile Films, the film review podcast that mixes cinema with fine spirits. Journey with us as we encounter new, old, and even strange films with the occasional dabble into sports and music. Proceed with caution, as these podcasts will feature spoilers and some mature language. This is Matt. And this is Jesse. Today on Tap, we have It, starring Bill Skarsgård, Jaden Martell, Finn Wolford, Sophia Lillis, directed by Andy Muschietti. Welcome back to Rye Smile Films. We're opening up film two in this cask of King's Landing Part Two. We got another horror lined up, and it's a big one. It is It from 2017. We're going to be having some more of the Chestnut Farms. We'll we're doing, we're doing here, pretty good on this bottle. I was a little intimidated by it when you brought it. I was like, I don't know if we're going to be able to drink that in three films. I don't think this bottle is going to survive the flight. I mean, the cast. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to Maybe not even this episode. Yeah, yeah. If it didn't survive the flight, we might have an interesting other hour because yeah. we're pretty drunk. No, no, no. Yeah, it's pretty good. But no, pretty good whiskey. So cheers, Matt. Cheers, Jesse. Mm. Uh, real quick, for everybody that tuned in midweek to the uh, one-off, the one or the shot, mm-hmm. thank you. Uh, pretty good stuff there. Something totally different. Yeah. Uh, some sports, but mostly that's going to have to do with film. We'll do forward. a film. We'll do some music talk, talking about like best bands, albums, songs, eras. Mm. We'll do film, some film conversation. But the cool thing about it be like if you're into that topic, you can tune in. If you don't, just get ready for the next weekly iteration, which is it this week. So Back to the wheelhouse, right? <laughs> yeah, awesome. Right. I'm excited to talk about this film, but I want to kind of mention first, you know, some kind of viewer response from the week. Uh, shout out to the Weeping Brook in our talk of... Um, Best horror film endings. Who mentioned a slew, much like we did, of Carrie, of course, The yeah. Mist, The Others, It Follows, and The Witch. And I wanted to put The Witch in my top three so bad, but I unfortunately just like was on the outside looking in. Yeah, you've said many times to me how much you it's, love it's, that film. It's jarring more than it's like, like shocking. Like it's it's such a visceral experience watching that ending because like the road to get there has just been like. What the hell? <laughs> you know, one thing that I'm curious about with that film is the Anya Taylor Joy bit. Mm-hmm. So you go from that to Split mm-hmm. to whatever Glass was, but is she <laughs> whatever Glass was? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if she's gonna take the horror route, like a new like Jamie horror. Lee Curtis. Well, she's supposed to be in that long gestating New Mutants movie, which is right. like the horror, horror take on the X Men, right? If that film ever sees the light of day. That might be really interesting to see how that plays out. And that her career trajectory. Yeah. A shout out to my buddy Nate who commented on one of, on I think it was the same photo and, and mentioned Sleepaway Camp. <laughs> I remember the first time I showed Nate Sleepaway Camp and it, it like scarred him. It was like the visage of Angela like leering out at the end and just the stunning nature of that twist ending like left him shell shot we still talk about it to this day that first time we saw sleepaway camp mm-hmm. but then also extra shout out to uh the actress that played angela yeah. felissa rose like totally just liking our our photos and everything and commenting on it i gotta tell you matt as cool as john cusack was like liking us weeks back for me being a horror guy, like that was cooler for me. Like that was awesome. Well, you mentioned two pretty big names. I guess that officially means we've arrived. <laughs> we've arrived somewhere. Somewhere. <laughs> there we go. That's Indeed. awesome. So yeah, that was pretty cool, wasn't it? Yeah. So let's just segue right into it. The flight this week, you know, it and what I want to talk about a lot today is just kind of like the the performance and the ensemble piece that is these child uh, actors in this film, which is it's rare to kind of like 
do that decently, you know, kind of like I almost kind of think the kiss of death. And if I ever got to make my own feature film, I would not put anyone younger than like 15 in that film right. because like that's got to be hard to like work with. So, Matt, my question to you is what's the best performance by, by a child actor? Uh, this actually wasn't really hard for me to come up with at all. Mm-hmm. I had two, and they're both the same actress, as I, a matter of fact. I, I can't even think where you're going with this. But... I know, because we have actually never talked about these two films together. Okay, give it to me. Okay, so the, the first one that's not the winner, but the same actor, it's Natalie Portman mm. in Beautiful Girls. Mm. Have you ever seen that film? Mm-mm. Uh, you should just see it. Okay. She's terrific in there, and there's a bit in there with her and Timothy Hutton, of all people, and two different mm. things. It might be one of my favorite bits of dialogue in film ever. Actually, okay. I shouldn't even say it might be. It is one of my favorite bits okay. of dialogue ever. It's a really young Natalie Portman, 13, 12, 13-ish. Mm-hmm. And all of these guys have come back for their high school reunion. And she's the next-door neighbor to Timothy Hutton. And they have a pretty unique conversation at the fishing pond that's frozen over where the kids are skating regarding Winnie the Pooh and Christopher Robin that's brilliant. And there's another scene in there where he's sort of speaking to her out of the window of his two-story house, the reverse Romeo and Juliet dyslexic version thing. You got to see it, dude. Okay. It's really good. Yeah. But that's not the winner. Matt Dillon and Lauren Thurman. Yeah, pretty good cast. Michael Rappaport before he went batshit crazy. Mary Sorvino. It's that, you should see it, man. Okay. It's really good. I haven't heard of it until you told me now. So on the list, you got it. But the other winner is The Professional. Yeah, I, yeah. You yeah. knew when I said it, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. That movie's excellent. Excellent. Yeah. And she, mostly because of her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that was her first film, actually. Sure was. Well, yeah. she was. She was taken... Actually, I think Beautiful Girls might predate that by mm-hmm. one film. Mm-hmm. They found her on the runway as a this model, a uh, young model, and they moved her into film. And lo and behold, uh, if you have not seen either of those films... Mm-hmm. I can't recommend either of them more highly than that. The Professional is absolute masterpiece. You know who's also really good in that film, too, not child actor, but it's Gary Oldman yep. as the villain. Like, yep. Just like Gary Oldman, to me, has always been a fascinating actor just because of the way he chews scenery, but not in an over-the-top kind of way like some actors do. And he just totally metamorphosizes into like whatever character he's playing. Like I love him in that film. Yeah, that was kind of around the time he was doing uh, the Francis Ford Coppola Dracula and the Fifth Element, which I'm not a Fifth Element fan. That makes two of us. But he's great in it. He's good in that movie. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. So I mean, I might have my filmography mixed up, but those are one and two, or two and one for her as okay. far as filmography sequencing. She's great in both. That's great. And you know, honestly, <clears throat> grew up to be. I think. A really underrated... Like, no one is going to say Natalie Portman is a bad actress. No, Because no. she's not. She's not, no. She's actually terrific. I think she falls into that same line of just, like, questionable... Well, well yep. okay, here's here's a questionable film choice. How do you do a film like Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, and you're like, this is going to be great, and then it just execution-wise, it's it's not great. Yeah. Like, on paper, that looks like a slam dunk. That looks like a great career move. Right. So... Well, you could make the same case, I think, for Closer. Mm-hmm. She's really good in that movie that's really not good. And you know, she's, she's done some great stuff as of late, too, whether that be Black Swan or that. And she was great in Annihilation. Oh, man. Do you like that Talk film as much as I do? Uncomfortable watch. Like Great movie that yeah. nobody saw. Yeah. Excellent. I love your choice. Thank you. Let's hear yours. My number one, I stuck it in the horror genre. And I, I was kind of teetering towards Haley Joel Osment as Cole Sear in The Sixth Sense. That's... Yeah. It's a, it's a pretty powerhouse performance for such a young actor. Sure. But if he'd ever been bested by one other actor, it's got to be Linda Blair in The Exorcist. 
to just put my mind back into 1972-73 and what William Friedkin put that little girl through uh, through the makeup through the things he made her say to the things he made with the crucifix scene like you watch all the interviews and Linda she didn't really know like what it all meant and, and all that so as a director that's a tough job but just the material that you're tackling is just Oh my God, who who would want that job? Like, seriously, The Exorcist on paper had to have been like, no, I don't want to make that movie. But I think he found a little girl that like, just whether it's your mother sucks, sucks cocks in hell, Karis, like, what? And it comes out of the little girl. And they did dub her voiceover with this other woman, but like, she still had to lip sync all of that stuff. And you got the pea soup and the levitation and they... Masturbating with the crucifix? Yeah, and they, they, Holy they, dropped, they dropped the temperature in that room to like 32, 30 degrees to get that real like cold effect. Like, that's a powerhouse performance too for like a very uncomfortable film. But and it, that film kind of defined her whole career. I don't think she could ever get out of the shadow of Reagan McNeil. Oh, and they tried to resurrect it a few times with some later iterations, and they oh, failed. Ex- Exorcist to the Heretic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's the one where there's one good scene in one of those? Which which Exorcist is it? Where we're in the hospital and we get that hallway down that hallway. That's shot. three. That's that's a pretty damn good scene. She's though. not in that one though. But that, that, yeah. That, that's that's William Peter Blatty who wrote The Exorcist, the book, the novel, and wrote the screenplay. Actually, directed that film, and it's based off of another book he wrote called Legion. Oh. So it's like a quasi sequel to The Exorcist. Yeah, that film's underrated too. George C. Scott. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Have you ever seen Repossessed? Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is spoof one. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, I got to go. Linda Blair, The Exorcist. We got to talk about The Exorcist one of these days. I'm sure it'll come up, but. I think that's a great choice. Yeah. I'm actually sort of mad at myself that she didn't even come to mind. No, you picked yours was good too. I thought about Leon the Professional as well. The uh The Exorcist is a movie for me that is an important film. Mm-hmm. And I think there's still a part of me that kind of blocks it out just to what it did to me when I saw it for the first time. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, talk about two slam dunks Mm -hmm. from two young actresses. Excellent. And it's hard. I mean, like, and especially as we're going to kind of see today, like, I equate, like, an ensemble with films like The Goonies and, uh, like, definitely now in, like, Stranger Things on television. It's certainly kind of, like, that's kind of the element they play with. And I think, like, as we're going to talk today with it, I think there's some things to talk about with these these kids. I agree. Let's get right into it. Let's get to what we're here for, our review breakdown of It. It starts out with brothers Bill and Georgie Denbro as they put the finishing touches together on their uh, this little sailboat that they're making out of paper, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. What's cool about this sequence, Matt, is I think this is kind of the sequence that defines it, the concept, the novel. I think people that have never even opened that book, and I have the book here on the table, Jesus Christ. It's the biggest book I've ever fucking seen in my entire life. That's that's a I have a brick. St- I have a story about that, too. It involves TSA. Uh, but, <laughs> okay. But it... Uh, I think people that haven't even dabbled into this world that is Pennywise and these kids, I think they know it based on this one scene. It's Georgie playing in the water here, coming up to the gutter, and he encounters this clown, Pennywise. So we get all that. This is all very from the book. It was done in the miniseries. We're getting this iteration of Georgie meeting Pennywise for the first time, 
which you know for the for the first time this is a jarring kind of element for me like matt as a kid were you ever kind of freaked out by clowns is this a tangible fear for you oh yeah mm-hmm. i can remember my dad taking us to the circus all the time mm-hmm. And I remember all the people around me cheering at the clowns with their brooms trying to sweep up the spotlights and the general tropes. And I always was kind of scared. Circuses are kind of weird already. Like, You're right. I kind of don't get them. <laughs> Wild animals and clowns. And anyway, yeah, yeah. So I guess the answer is yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know any people. I don't really know that many people that aren't. Yeah, I know. And I, the, well, I had a real terrifying memory. I think my mother took me to like some like flea market or like or a bazaar an arts and crafts bazaar and there was like a, a clown face doing face painting there he wanted to paint my face he was literally like following me around the store i like ran i screaming it terrified me so there's my fear of clowns for you but i think you have an even more one which would have to be poltergeist yeah like yeah that scene in poltergeist i think has shocked many of people from the 80s <laughs> yeah as a clown and a doll um mm-hmm. i think you have something when you use a clown, like they're just naturally scary. Mm-hmm. And you can have like a version at a kid's party that has light clown makeup, but heavy clown makeup with the hair and the shoes. Talking about your John Wayne Gacy's? Right. It's Yikes. just terrifying, man. This is interesting. And this concept has never plugged into my head until this very moment. The Joker, the Batman villain himself is the clown prince of crime. That version of the clown, though, Matt, in my childhood never bothered me, not once. That's kind of weird, isn't it? Yeah, I just realized that, too. I can say the same thing. Yeah. There must be something to the personality that he had. I guess that there's menace there, but it's a different type of menace than trying to be eaten out of the the storm gutter of this rainy street. (laughs) Let's talk about that for a minute. Yeah. Pennywise is an interesting-looking character. Mm Mm-hmm. And we see several variations on the look of that character from mm-hmm. fade in to fade out. Yeah. This introduction to Pennywise through the storm gutter to Georgie, mm-hmm. I think is pretty effective for a couple reasons. Mm-hmm. Most of him you can't see. Yeah, He's we're, often in the shadows. Again, like a shoulders up kind right. of view. Right. And what you do get is the sort of illuminated eye effect mm-hmm. and a rather creepy line of dialogue that's mm-hmm. sort of enticing. Mm-hmm. And that changes for me mm-hmm. the minute Georgie runs away. Yeah. Because if it was that easy yeah, and all you had to do was just snatch him up, mm-hmm. why did he wait so long? Uh, yeah, it's... it's he Pennywise falls into a bit of the horror trap that I think befalls a few horror icons, which is, why don't you just kill it instead of all this foreplay? You know what I'm talking about? It's a lot of setup to... Go go to the actual meat of the death kind tr- of a thing. And in horror, you have to light the fuse and let it smolder. Correct. A bit. Yeah. So I'm not even saying that that's a bad idea. Yeah. But as the kid's looking for the boat that's mm-hmm. been washed away, mm-hmm. you can have Pennywise stalking him, known to us, unknown to the to the child, to yeah. Georgie, and you get something better than this friendly clown <clears throat> in the gutter that's really not that friendly. Um, to me, that's oh, what's we seven minutes in. Yeah. It's a bit. Of, it's not a total miss, but it's kind of a miss right to me, off the bat. To me, for me, I'm 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 pretty I'm captivated at this point by Bill Skarsgård's performance. I mean, he's he the way he sounds is is thoroughly creepy. But like I like how you said, oddly welcoming. Yeah, I might crawl in there and get some cotton candy too. And I like that if that plays mm-hmm. through. Yeah. But that doesn't play through the rest of the movie at all. It's it's it becomes less seducting of the characters and more preying on their like 
fears. fears. Their their internal first fear of what's bothering them. Right okay, now. so yeah. right, you just stole my thunder mm-hmm. because I'm going to ask you because that's what I was going to get to. Yeah. If the beginning sequence is I'm going to seduce you through come play with a friendly clown, mm-hmm. and that screenwriting wise is the introduction mm-hmm. to the antagonist, yeah. and the rest of the film is yeah. I feed on your fear and it what's empowers mm-hmm. me. You know where I'm going with this. Yeah. That's written like shit. Mm-hmm. It's inconsistent from page seven to page, I don't know, what, 215? Yeah. I don't know, Jesse. Yeah, but maybe we have to blame King for that one. I mean, this 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 is the opening bit of his book. It's a full 30 pages of Georgie getting killed here. Yeah. But he does meet his end the same way. He gets his arm lopped off, chomped off, and pulled pulled into the, into the storm drain. You know, I like what you said about that. Like a, a film like Jaws, I think, sets that up, up that that villain element a whole lot better with the just this this ever shark presence because the way it feeds, it's going to do the same thing from the beginning to the end. Even the beginning of Halloween, this kind of blank, emotionless stare of young Michael Myers as he's killed his sister. I mean, that's consistent. Mm-hmm. <coughs> I know, I know what you're talking about. Like you're setting up a villain who's going to use his. His trick is going to be the seducting of the characters. And and while some of that might come to be, it, it becomes this fear tactic that he eventually plays on. So let's kind of get right to that and let's start introducing the members of our Losers Club. Okay. Which I just kind of want to say, I, I like how each one of these characters is different in their own right and they all have a different personality. I think they all play off each other well. I think one or I think it's one or two kids too, too many. many. Yeah. Yep. Like I think even in the film it suffers and again, okay, let me come back to this book. It 1200 pages. I've only gotten to like page 400 in this book. So I haven't even finished the damn thing. All I know is that I went on vacation one time. I had this book in my backpack and they couldn't scan through my my backpack because the book is so damn thick. I got selected for additional screening by TSA. And they're like, sir, what's in your book? I was like, oh, it's Stephen King's It? And then they're like reaching in my bag and they're like, is there something in here that's going to like poke me or anything? I was like, no, it's just the book. Like, <laughs> there's something in here that's going to poke me. Yeah, it was weird. Like I was hiding something. I was like, no, it's just this book's gigantic. This book's a behemoth. I don't think I'm, I don't know if I'm ever going to finish reading this book. I doubt it. I need to get like a book on tape or something. It's just, it's, this is too much. And to me, this is a problem with, with Stephen King in some of his iterations. Like you read Carrie when we did the Carrie episode, you read that book in a week. Uh, actually, you gave it to me a week. I read it in like two nights. Yeah, that's a quick read. I think Salem's Lot is, well, longer. 400 Half pages. the size of that. Yeah. Even The Shining. Yeah. Once he got into The Stand and It and some of these longer books, I kind of tune out a little bit. Like, there's only so much story you can have there where, you know, there's a general meat of a story and then you're just padding it with a lot of, a lot of exposition. You know, the chili cheeseburger where the chili runs down. <laughs> God bless Bill Hader. I, can, I can't wait Bill to Hader. see him in the movie next week, by the way. That's going to be terrific. But the, he's right. That's what's in there padded around this Pennywise story. It's a lot, of, a lot of that. A lot of following the characters and getting into their heads, which I'm okay for. But a lot of times, I could deal without that. I think one of the things we consistently bring up on this mm-hmm. is less is more. Yeah. Okay, so this is another version of that. Mm-hmm. Part of the art of story mm-hmm. is being concise so that you don't water down what happens so much that your audience stops caring. Yeah. Because it's, and like what you just said, mm-hmm. 
you gave him about 400 pages and then how old is this book 10 years six years five years how old is this book now oh this one that when i bought it when how long, when did you start this 400 i bought it page a year before, i got it i bought it a year before this film came out so okay so you're a couple about five years okay you're still not going to finish you're never going to finish it <laughs> because what's happened in the story has oversaturated your interest level yeah. we all have that there's a point where the story's just over yeah we here's here's another example of yeah. that for me okay the last season of Breaking Bad was shit. Mm -hmm. It was completely unnecessary, but, and I would also put the X-Files in the same category. It should have ended one season earlier, and I understand the revenue component. Like, I'm not stupid. Yeah. But as an audience member, mm -hmm. or as Pearson being told the story, yeah. beginning, middle, and end, and... Get the fuck through the second act so we can get to the end and get on with it. We play that. We play that game in with with TV shows. Like I've told you so many times. Like TV shows need to know when to like get out while they're ahead. Right. Don't overstay your welcome. Like right. Stephen King. Don't overstay your welcome with my attention span. But here's one thing I think the film does really well. I think the film, this film, not so much the miniseries, does a really good job of cleaning up a lot of this excess. Yeah. Which I'm going to talk about some of the stuff that's kind of left out. Uh. I think it's it's a more crisp version of the road to get there. So amen to the the screenwriters and they're, yeah. As hard as you've been, I agree. That's a that's a nice thing. Matt, can you imagine like sitting down to adapt uh, it? Like we'd have to go through this page by page and like take like a highlighters and kind of say like, well, we don't need this, we don't need that. Like we'd have to read the book in in doing that. It's the art of adaptation is taking a story and making it manageable for the screen. Definitely. And that being said. Mm -hmm. It is a two-part piece, so yeah. it, for all the things that it did, it also kind of didn't. Yeah. And we got some stuff coming in the second movie that I'd like to get to in a few minutes, but we'll get there. So let's pick it up. Georgie's been devoured we, or consumed by the storm drain mm -hmm. gutter clown. We got our losers club now. We got our losers club. Yeah, so we got, we got Bill Dren D D Denbro, Richie Tozer. We got uh, Stanley Uris and uh, Eddie Krasbeck. Eddie Krasbeck tends to be my favorite. I, I I love this little kid and this little hypochondriac. But this is kind of the initial kind of group, and we're kind of tailored also with Mike Hanlon and Beverly Marsh and Ben Hanscom as well. I like him. Ben? Yeah. Yeah. I like him. Um, and he's interesting, too, just because he's like, he's he's the new kid, the new yeah. kid on the block. But uh, he's also... Uh, just because he is overweight, he's got like he's got extra compensation to kind of come through. Like again, it's this horrific time in adolescence, this middle school period where just like everything sucks. Yeah, your body's changing, everything's changing. Like this kid has no friends. Like he's in a tough spot in and of itself. Yeah, mm -hmm. they do a good job of showing that, and yeah. mostly forgotten, especially because his advances towards Beverly are not going to ever be yeah. returned. Yeah, but I will say this. Okay. It'd be an easy thing to have him freak out and throw a fit, but they don't. He, like the way he's written and the character, you can see he's upset that he she hasn't taken a shine to him the way that he would like. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't just you know take you off the path of whatever story. This I'm is. curious to see how that actually plays out in the second film with them older. So that's what and I was going to get to. Like much like, better looking. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah, Beverly grew up into Jessica Chastain. I know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oops, Ben, you should anyway. Yeah. I think you said it really well earlier. Mm -hmm. Each one of the characters is very different. Yeah. And so what I am at least intrigued about for the second film is what the young version looks like to the 
adult version. Yeah. And here's what I'm curious. Mm-hmm. Will I be able to tell mm-hmm. who's who? Not by name yeah. and actor, but by character but by traits. character on screen. No, that's 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 we'll a, see. that's a good test. Yeah. Because if they did such a good job setting it up, um, we should be able to tell like instantly. You know right. what I mean? Yes. And I think it's, it'll be if it happens and that's a success, I think it'll be equally a success because a lot of other than like Bill Hader and James McAvoy and Jessica Chastain. I don't really know any of those other actors. Right. So I am going to have to pick up on who they're playing based on their character traits. Right. So Yeah, that could be cool. Yeah, that, 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 that'll be interesting. But they all kind of play different roles. Ben Hanscom himself is almost kind of the expositor of Derry's history, which I think is, is interesting in and of itself. And the book goes into a lot of that detail as well that I just I, I don't have time for. Sorry, King, but I think he, he he plays on this this idea of bad things happening every twenty seven years. Twenty seven years, yeah. whether it be this nightclub, um, um, boiler, yeah, boiler room, or this um this Easter egg hunt, which blew this all these kids the kingdom come, and then this current iteration that they're currently in right now. So, Matt, one of the big changes from book to this film, and even miniseries to this film, is the shifting of the of the time period that it's in. Instead of being stuck in the 50s with soda pop and greasers and switchblades and people that talk like this and look like Fonz, uh, we get this kind of this end of the 80s. Uh, 80, is it 80? It's June 89. 89 right. 89, which yeah. to me, the most unrealistic thing about this film is that these kids weren't going completely apeshit for Tim Burton's Batman like every other youth at that time. <laughs> it is, though, mentioned on the page it's on, behind it's them. A, that's, that's cool, yeah. Lethal so Weapon, I think, too. Lethal Weapon, too. Yeah. Yeah pretty good summer for movies god can we go back just like can we please hit the re- let's bring that here yeah 89 had lethal weapon 2 ghostbusters 2 indiana jones and last crusade batman license to kill we got this year we got what we got yeah i that's would love that summer no like that kidding. that would be great but I, that's impressive that you just knew that cold. Yeah. Like I'm letting everybody know he just knew that cold <laughs> it's, a, it's a good decade like you, re- you, you remember man. things like that that's awesome but here, like jumping into the 80s, I like this shift just because of tonally how it works with today's modern audiences. But I want to tell you one thing that I don't think this film does compared to a show like Stranger Things, which is very obviously 80s. Yeah. To me, this film, well, had traces of the 80s, whether through soundtrack, posters, marquee. Um, it didn't, to me, it didn't feel like it was slamming the 80s down my throat. Not even through their clothing. You know, those characters could have been running around with a freaking He-Man graphic tee and just like nauseating bullshit. And, but they didn't. And to me, that was just, it was a shifting of the time period. It wasn't, the time period wasn't taking the place of the story, which that's kind of Stranger Things in a nutshell. And while I do love that show, and I know you're a little kind of cold and lukewarm on it. That show is completely that. To the soundtrack, to the clothing, to the aesthetic, it's a very much an 80s type of feel. Okay, so where to go with that? Let's mm-hmm. talk about Stranger Things from my point of view for just a minute. That story is all about reliving the 80s mm-hmm. and very little about any sort of cool monsters. Yeah, That second season and the Demogorgon, which essentially is just an alien dog running around, was so stupid. <clears throat> And I don't even want to get into the third season. I, I'm going to tell you the truth. Yeah. After the first episode, when the doppelganger effect thing started to happen, I literally looked at mm-hmm. you know my wife and said, "I'm out. I'm out of here." Now we lived across the finish line yeah. some months later, uh, and I agree. I guess what I'm saying is I completely agree with you. Yeah. 
Can I ask though, is it is it is it because are you fatigued by that resurgent nostalgic 80s feeling primarily just because you did grow up in that decade and kind of reliving it isn't you don't want to see that relived on film? No, I'm not. Yeah. Actually, if it's done well or just just done, I'm at least interested in there. But my recollection of the 80s isn't how it looks on screen. My mm-hmm. recollection of the 80s mm-hmm. is parachute pants and Ocean Pacific yeah. and Vans. Mm-hmm. And I look at the people that they dress and clothe the way they do. Yeah. And it's American hustle all over again. Yeah. It is so distracting. Yeah. And I get you have short little booty shorts. I get that. Yeah. But they were cutoffs. Mm-hmm. And like I've yet to see a pair of acid wash jeans yeah. or even a jean, a blue jean jacket. Did you? So they, I just, yeah. I, the idea of like this sort of button down shirt that barely fits with like these short shorts with some white piping around the legs was about two minutes yeah. at the gym yeah. in the 80s. Yeah. Not the way people walked on the street. Yeah. They've missed. Yeah. I have yet to see, other than in Stranger Things, yeah. the new wave thing play out. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen like the Spicoli surfer thingy play out. Mm-hmm. It's so tight knit in this one little section. Yeah. And that's like it's that's even okay. Yeah. The problem with Stranger Things, yeah. that's the whole goddamn show. Yeah. It and, and the other I'm just gonna say it. Mm-hmm. You have an issue with Clive Owen. <laughs> I fucking it's... cannot stand mm-hmm. David Harbour. Mm-hmm. I watch him on screen. He's always sweaty. He is so fat and disgusting. <laughs> I expect him to be like sweating Crisco and butter. That's disgusting. I fucking hate him. Like seriously, it, he's yeah. on there, Jesse. I'm, I'm glad. It, spoiler like, alert. Like, I hope he's dead. He's not though. I know he's not. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So then. No, no. Here, I, does, I, I kind of feel that way too. Like if this was kind of if this was the '90s and that was the gr- decade I grew up in, and I'm kind of just seeing this kind of '90s like of kind of horrific fashion and and things like i kind of would tune out too like you know what i mean i think i gravitate more to that age because i didn't grow up in that decade so i think i have a different feel there but any time in this film did you feel feel like the it, did you feel like it's not like we had a scene where the kids are hanging out like in like sun coast or sam goody you know what i mean right i think it, it, it works better here what do, what do you think <sighs> did you ever feel like it was hammering it like down like other than like the no. marquee elements and that new kids on the block reference. Like, oh, no, I think it's pretty tame. It's not as heavy handed yeah. as Stranger Things is. Mm-hmm. And so then it's not as distracting and we can get on with it. Yeah. It is, though, mm-hmm. taking the success of the 80s revival and using it in a way I think that's a little bit contrived. I think that's fair. Um, <clears throat> look, it, it, it works for me better in it than it does in Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. Uh, if whatever working is. But look, we're a society that totally loves to relish in the past. I mean, our parents, lo- my, my parents, like, they still love disco music and mm-hmm. stuff. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. where that's very much a societal norm of kind of being reminiscent of things past. And I think I think on film, I think it, it gets people interested in, in the concept as well. The other thing, too, that comes through on that, which is striking to me, and it happens in this movie a little bit later on, is as we're getting a snapshot of Beverly's room, mm-hmm. it's scored to a song by The Cure. Now, I'm not going to tell you The Cure weren't popular in the 80s. Yeah. But what you start to get from me is depending upon director preference, mm-hmm. what, and they're not Nietzsche, so please don't misread me by saying that. Yeah. But that's a little bit obscure compared to what wasn't in the 1980s mm-hmm. and sort of out of time a little bit insofar as yeah. discography with mm-hmm. The Cure. Mm-hmm. You get. The director's nostalgic version 
of the 80s and the obscureness of it coming through instead of Tommy Two-Tone or Walk Like an Egyptian. Tommy Two-Tone. No, you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or whatever that... It doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. Yeah. For everything that The Cure was, which is landmark, and someday I have an amazing Cure story that I'll tell you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That band didn't dominate the deck. They dominated a subsection subsection. of music. They were... Fuck, where's U2? Yeah. Come on, man. Where the streets have no or, <laughs> Again, not a band that's like one of my favorites either, but like there's just such no, I, I know obvious I know what you mean. Oh. Yeah. I'm I'm not I'm not gonna argue with you there. I just thought it was interesting. Like whoever thought and obviously it makes the sequel more present day than like having to like yeah. backdate that to like the early eighties. I think it improves that, but I don't feel like it's like obvious, you know what I mean? Right. Like I think it's it's a nice adjustment. More on that a little later. Do you want a balloon to it, Georgie? I'm not supposed to take stuff from strangers. Oh, well, I'm Pennywise the dancing clown. Pennywise? Yes, meet Georgie. Georgie, meet Pennywise. (laughs) Now we aren't strangers, are we? All right, so let's pick this thing up here. So... Bill has, ever since Georgie's disappeared, has, you know, been incessantly trying to look for any whereabouts to Georgie. Where, you know, he literally comes home and he's created this crazy, like, hamster wheel, like, replica of, like, the sewer system to kind of show the path of this action figure that lands in the Barrens. He's trying to show his dad that, like... There's a chance maybe he's still there. Georgie might be there. Yeah. But then I think this is, like, one of the first instances, too, of the adult element in this film seen with his parents and we're going to see that again with beverly's father uh eddie's mother everybody in dairy that exists literally every adult who comes can up- i ask you about that go ahead so since you brought it up yeah i have a take on that but i want to hear what your take on every adult in dairy even the the one kid with with the asthma and the broken arm which kid is that one eddie eddie mm-hmm. even his did you mention his mm-hmm. mother yeah okay let me have it. What do you think about that? Why guess, is every adult so awful in dairy? I'll give you the obvious answer, and then I'll give you what I yeah. truly think. The obvious answer is that Pennywise has this town under like some tor- type of hypnotic spell. That's the Stephen King answer type yeah. of thing. Right. It's the fantastical answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, it's the it's it's kind of like the, the the trauma element too. I mean, I, I think these these parents lack the empathy. And the ability to connect with the with the youths in town. I also forgot too, which was uh, oh my god, I'm gonna forget his name. The bully guy. Um, yeah. Uh, yes. I'll come. I'll come up with his name here. I'll look it up for you. Sorry, Stephen King fans. I do know his name, but even his father, Henry Bowers. Yeah, Henry Bowers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even his father, the local cop sheriff, he struggled. I think they struggled to connect for, for with with their kids, and I think those kids strive to have that warmth with their parents. Whether it be trying to get over the death of your sibling, uh, you know, things like that. Trying to be close to dad, you know, like he's trying to clean his gun or just trying to like emulate him later. And the parents like, they ain't here for that. And that's kind of tragic too, you know what I mean? Like, Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay, so here's my thoughts on this. Good. Every adult is abusive and rapey in this movie. Oh, yeah. And what kills me about it, though, is... not physically with their eyes, that pharmacist guy... Oh, yeah. Every one of them is a creeper. Yeah. And then abusive. Mm -hmm. So when we get to the scene, which is the bloody bathroom scene with Beverly... Okay. And her dad comes in, and the place is just covered floor floor to ceiling Mm -hmm. with blood, and he doesn't see it... Yeah. 
I'm really, really struggling with that. Now, there can be some cool things in there and that maybe it's avoidance mm-hmm. or maybe they're celebrating it. Yeah. But for him to not even acknowledgement, because I agree, mm-hmm. it's, it's Stephen King writing of Pennywise has got his hooks into it, all of these adults. It's the fantastical, yeah. To not even acknowledge that, mm-hmm. defangs that mm-hmm. and waters that down. He doesn't have to clean it or comment, but if he just looks around and kind of then smiles at her, mm-hmm. we get an acknowledgement and it's us against them and that's what this movie's really going for mm-hmm. it's us as this little group of 15 year olds mm-hmm. against them and literally them is everyone led by an alien yeah and they missed mm-hmm. and so him coming in and just you doing okay doing fine dad and he will they might miss in that element but i don't think they miss in this moment with bill and his and his dad I mean, I think dad just can't be bothered it, it seems he like. can't be bothered but i think it's how dad's dealing with the trauma of georgie being taken away and then he's like get this out of here before your mother sees it too and then like okay but here's my other issue with that too yeah it's almost like he's treating his son like a jerk because he cares and he misses his 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 little son yeah yeah. who wait wait what now all of a sudden oh we do have empathy or compassion in our parents and dairy because Again, no, I don't think uh, we do. Not, not consistency. Not, no, not in this movie. I don't None. know. I disagree with everything you just said. Actually, Let's like hear it, I, do, I, do, I don't see that in this scene. I see a lack of empathy when Georgie, or and I'm going to mess up everyone's name in this thing. When Bill's seeking that empathy, father's trying to find a way to move on, and if Bill's bringing all these relics of trying to look and dig into it, it just keeps bringing up that that elephant in the room type of thing. If he's possessed by Pennywise, mm-hmm. doesn't he want that? Because that's fear and it's feeding it. So if the dad, who is upset because Georgie has gone missing mm-hmm. and now doesn't want to even have a conversation <clears throat> of where he might be because it brings back, to me, that works in direct opposition to anything. Well, I actually shouldn't say that because yeah. the, the Pennywise adult thing in this to me is completely inconsistent. So I guess maybe it makes perfect sense for me. It's... it's it. It's pointless. It's inc- it's not inconsistent. There are side secondary characters in the background to the greater story that's at play here. And, you know, we see that later with the librarian, like, kind of leering and asking, Ben, hey, do you got any friends and stuff? Like, here's the book you were looking for. And she creepily in the background, like, kind of, like, leers at him. I mean, everyone's just so, so slimy and gross and... And then I want to talk about the scene, too, with the pharmacist. You look just like Clark Kent. You, you look just like Lois Lane. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone's just so disgusting in this and just so... like. So when shit hits the fan with Pennywise, when there's no one else to turn to, usually in horror film and situations like this, you turn to that adult element. You turn to that Sam Loomis. You turn to Reagan McNeil's mother. Like, that's a source of comfort. And when you completely remove that element from this story, I think the kids truly are on their own. I think... Whether it works for you or not, I think that adults are here to show that they they can't be turned to in times of crisis. I actually don't think you're disagreeing with me at all. Yeah. Because here's what I'm going to tell you. Okay. All of the the Lois Lane, Clark Kent, mm-hmm. the librarian, goes back to the seductive element of Pennywise in the Storm Brain to begin with. Mm-hmm. At this moment, when Bill, yeah. is that his name, Bill, is talking to his dad about Georgie, his dad's not seductive and like, well, maybe we should look into that. Maybe we should go visit. He's dismissive. Mm-hmm. Dismissive is, I don't want to deal with it. Not, let's explore that further 
and I will seduce you in so doing. I think you actually agree with me. No, I, I, I don't think I do, because then you don't agree with what you said at the beginning, which was the seductive element. That can't be a seduction because it, it's, it's printing on fear and not trying to like welcome them in. It's trying to exclude the adults as outsiders. That's what I'm saying. The yeah. whole thing is completely inconsistent. There is no through line on it. That's, I, that's I think, the point I, I was think, making. I think there's a through line, and I think we're getting hung up on like little elements of... like seduction and where the horror is playing out where the story truly is the kids dealing with this it's the path to kind of get there is i think where where we're going okay like i'm uh, for you yeah for me so much of this first film is here's dairy yeah here's what dairy is it's mm-hmm. done through uh hanscom's character yeah this is dairy this is dairy this is 27 years it's the history of dairy and so the effects of that are what the history has created in dairy contemporary mm-hmm. 1989 yeah so maybe that's a different point in there, but it's I'm, very, I'm, I'm it, still going to contend. You're actually not disagreeing. It's very much like the Overlook. But what am I disagreeing with, Matt? Like, what do you? What? What, what am I disagreeing I with? I think we. Uh, you're no, saying you're, you're saying, saying you're saying you don't buy the adult element in this thing. I'm saying I do. I'm saying it plays an important role in what these kids are going to eventually have to do. Except in this parent, it doesn't. It does though. It's Dismissing this, is not the same thing as seducing, Jesse. It can't be. I know, but it's it's but but for Bill in this instance, it's it's it, it works for him. Like he can't turn to dad to even talk about the search for Bill. He has to turn to his friends at this point. Compare that to Beverly and her dad. It's totally different. It, it, everything's seductive, but then compare that to Eddie, and you're totally you're you're off your hypothesis too. Protecting him and moving him away. How's that seductive? Can, How's you, that seductive? You can't turn to anybody because you're under the control of this no, person. That's, that's, Eddie's mom is any. Anything but dismissive. Yeah. She's not dismissive. Yeah. She's isolationist. Yeah. I'm that's, just, that's, I'm, I'm so, just, I'm just saying, like, it, whether it be seduction or just totally turning your back on, on, on the kid, this works for me, and it's, it's setting up the groundwork for, for these kids to truly be like, you know, seven against one against Pennywise. Right. We also have Stanley's father, who's the rabbi, who's upset with his son because he can't memorize his Torah readings for his bar mitzvah. So each each one of these kids is coming into a place where they're 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 stemming and trying to go towards adulthood, but they're 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 still kids, and you know they're they're failing at that. Where an adult could be a voice of reason or the wise sage in moments like this, that's totally out of the equation. You know, Mike has that too, and he can't kill the the sheep. I think the the film does a good job of showing at least one for for each kid and. Even all the characters, I think we could do with, without two of them. Stanley being one of them, actually. Uh, I think we. I think the adult element is consistent, where it's it's just inconsistent with you in the way of its execution. So if can the, we agree on that? Oh, you. I mean, that's what I think about the film for yeah, sure. Yeah. So let me just sort of dovetail or backstep on what you said here. The title of the film is it. Mm-hmm. That means Pennywise is the main character. That's it's his movie. You don't title a movie unless it's the man who shot Liberty Valance about a movie that's not. I think. The movie. I think. No, 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 no. Hold think, on, no, no, hold on. I'm gonna finish. Hold on. It wait. could mean multiple things in this film. Look, but it doesn't. But it, it, but it could. It doesn't. It, it could though. No, but like what though? Okay, defend it. What? It could be it. It the town. It dairy. It it Henry Bowers. Like it. Like the 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 situation. It growing up. Like it. it right. It, and it, that it is a result of everything that Pennywise does. It's his movie. Okay. So if this is a 27, 27, 27 year uh, history lesson on what it has done. But he's not in, the main character wait, of the film, Matt. 
Yeah, how, he, of course he is. It's, it's his not. movie. He's on screen for Bullshit. He's on screen the for The name of the movie is It. He's on screen for No, like no, I totally minutes. disagree no, there. He's not the main character What's of this film. Name of Ju- the movie's Juno. Yeah. Yeah, it's Juno. Come on, man. Alien's Alien. Alien. Ellen right. Ripley's the main character you know of that film. As well no, as no, no, I no, do, no, no, Jesse, no. that when we have a character's name in the title, you know what it is. Yeah. That is that is Hollywood screenwriting gospel. Wait a minute, though, I'm not done. Go ahead. Okay, I'm not done. So if it is what this is about, and it has a singular purpose, which I yeah. guess is feeding on kids yeah. so that it can continue through fear, then I can understand it having an impact on the people of Derry yeah. to pursue that singular solitary goal. Now we're getting into character arc. My yeah. goal is to eat kids, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. So if that's the case, I can even give you, yeah. here's how as a singular character, I do that to pursue those goals. Now play that out with the goals of the parents. I'm pissed off at you because you can't remember the Torah. Yeah. I want to rape you because you're my daughter. I want to protect you from your friends because I'm giving you a placebo because you're on fake meds. Uh, the kid, Ben, who we don't even really see his parents, so I can't think. Um, and then yeah, Bill's like, parents <clears throat> who are just like, fuck it, I don't even want to talk about that. Yeah. None of that drives the singular purpose of what it is, which is to get them to him. Now, I will say this, though. All of that creates what we're agreeing on, yeah. which is seven, seven? Yeah. against one. Yeah. It. Yeah. The film's about overcoming fear. It's not about Pennywise's seduction of Derry. I don't, I, I don't think that's what the film's about. It, if the film was called Pennywise, I would think you would have an argument there that the clown element, whether fantastical, beastly, however he appears on screen, we would need to have more focus on him. But it can be used as this general term of like overcoming fears, the it, that, 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 that void, like however you want to picture that, whether that be parents or creatures or fear or women in paintings. I think it has a multiple meaning, but I don't think you can pigeonhole Pennywise into that to that thing that the whole thing has to derive directly from him. What you just said are all the functions of Pennywise. Everything you just said, all those different it's are Pennywise. That's him. But that like okay, so let's not get hung up on the title too much. Let's come to the agreement here like Whatever we have set up with my failure to see some consistent behavior through a very linear character, which is Pennywise to eat the kids, and your parents doing different things to sort of isolate the kids, we have created an element that's seven against one. And here's my other question for you on this. I know he's an alien with a lot of teeth and he's terrifying and all of those things, but you could make the case if they can overcome fear, it's seven against one. Mm -hmm. They might have, this is crazy, but... An advantage? Go ahead. Yeah. I'm not going to disagree with you on that. I'm not, I don't want to argue with you about what the film's about and like its general thesis because it's about a lot of things. It's this town. Like, King loves to do this. He does the same thing in Salem's Lot. Like, you know, are you going to call Salem's Lot the main character of that thing when you have all these other characters? Like, Well, Ben Mears is the main character of that damn thing. Right. We argued last week, too, that The Shining, that the the Overlook was the the main character. But Jack Nicholas, Jack Torrance is the main character in that damn thing, too. Like, like, I I know what you're coming with titles. It's very obvious when it's a self-referential like Shaft or Juno or Glass. Yeah, Glass, like something like that. And that movie wasn't about that guy either. Right. Yeah, exactly. But like to call something it like it's just like. That, that word in of itself, like, it, it it can mean multiple things. Like, and we could probably do a whole podcast on, like, what we think, like, all those things could possibly mean. But 
I think for this moment now, I think like I can buy into how the adults are functioning just because they're so secondary to like what these kids are eventually going to have to do. So let's kind of get right to it. Let's get to the Barons. And, you know, they're, he, Bill's just dragging his friends along. They don't want to be there. They they want to kind of spend summer playing Street Fighter is what Richie says. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, Bill wants to find some remnants of Georgie down here. And they find uh, one of the other missing kids, her shoe, uh, Betty Ripson. Ripson yeah. And, you know, this is like this has obviously been going on for a while now. It's, it's explained pretty well in, in King's book here. But now we got a uh, Ben Hanscom who's been attacked by Henry, the Henry Bowers gang. Sounds like a band, doesn't it? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. But uh, for George Thurgood and the destroyers. Yeah, exactly. Kind of a little bit. And so he's chased through there. And one of these uh, fellow people, Patrick Hochstetter, is he he meets his demise by 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 Pennywise in the thing. So you know. In the book, I th- it, this is another interesting change too, and I think I've told you off mic, and I may as well come to it now. Like I kind of tune out on King, like when he gets too fantastical with his ideas. Like I understand he 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 balances like horror and sci-fi, but when it's straight horror, I feel like he works better in that realm. I mean, we had the Hedge Monsters and The Shining last week. Like I tune out. In here, Patrick Hochstetter actually meets his demise by these flesh-eating flying leeches like what the fuck like what is that so Just let it be pennywise yeah that's it, it's 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 too it, it becomes too much it becomes too much yeah. and then i know we're in the suspension of the disbelief realm here but like this is another i think good change like this this helps get the the, the plot past like past this because like it's a whole section in the book matt i swear to god it's like 100 pages the thing too that strikes me in this is this band of kids that's terrorizing our group of seven mm-hmm. we get that they're bullies yeah but they're like murderous bullies mm-hmm. That's not a thing. Again, suspension of disbelief. It's one thing to steal a kid's lunch money and put the sign on his back that says kick me. Yeah. It's another thing to want to bash his head open with a rock. Yeah. And we get that through that Henry character, right? Henry yeah. Bowers, I yeah. think that's the character. Mm-hmm. We see sort of the effects of, I guess, bad parenting making him this terrible bully, but yet he's still afraid of his dad. But he doesn't cross the line of becoming or being able to actualize the goal of murder till he eventually does in his dad. And here's what, again, back to this. I know I'm hung up on this and this is my issue. And I'm trying hard to get you to come to church with me on this. But my issue on this is, okay, so let's assume that Henry's dad is an awful parent due to Pennywise's uh, influence upon him. Okay. Why does he stop him from shooting that gun at the cat? Like, he gets his buddy to hold the cat, and he's like, just hold it while I shoot it. And then dad comes around the corner, and in a weird way, kind of reels Henry in, but then shoots at his feet to just... Like, none of that makes... It's just... It's just fucking orgasmic, utter bullshit for consumption by the audience to drive this movie when there's no story. That is so... Again, flying leeches. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even. I'm so befuddled by what that isn't that I don't even. I can't even find the words to describe it. Like what the f- what? Like all I have is what? Mm-hmm. Can you please? And maybe it's so much cocaine. Yeah, this was definitely that time for him. Can you please pick a fucking story? And, and just and here's the problem. Tell me. Here's it. the problem with the book, Matt. 
Don't get angry. <laughs> I'm already there. No. Here's the problem with the book is that it, there's because it's 1,200 pages, you have all that time to go through something right. like that. Yeah. And now when they adapt that to something on film, it's going to come across pretty hand-fisted. Yeah. And that's that that's that's something you have to take with a grain of salt when adapting these, especially this novel. Look at it, Matt. Look how big I that am, is. I yeah, know. like like a lot of stuff's going to be left like just kind of like floating out there in the ether. And I don't think like it, it's it's a problem with book adaptation, and like it's a lot of the reasons why you know something like Game of Thrones like gets adapted into a television series because. If you want to get hung up on things like that, if you want to do that, you have an hour each week to do that. Like it's different here. Like yeah. to me, those those well, well, I'm not going to disagree with you. Like it's that that's inconsistent with like kind of like the evil of the dairy and whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, in a out movie that's two hours and fifteen minutes, there's just not enough time to to flesh a lot of those things out. Too. I mean, if Hen if Henry Bowers was the main character, Matt, if he was one of part yeah. of the Losers Club, I'd have a bigger problem with it. But because it's so minuscule in 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 this section of the film, because they do away with Henry Bowers into the well, and it's like he was barely in the movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. So this doesn't even matter. So like, I I don't even care. I don't even care. Okay, so that's interesting that you would say that. Yeah. Okay. I can't not care. If you're going to spend the time developing the kids through the relationship with their parents, yeah. and that's what a large portion of this movie is, mm -hmm. then I'm going to care. Mm -hmm. But that being said, that might just be a difference in how we approach this. I want to ask you a question, yeah. though. To me, if the idea—I think what we agree on is yeah. we have a seven group, yes, a group of seven that don't have any guidance that's going to get them through this. Correct. Is that done more efficiently and more effectively? If we don't see them have any parents, because then you get neglect. You, you get that. I, I, you, you, you could get that, but then everyone, every one of them's neglect. And I just think that that gets me to where I am anyway, which is these kids are on their own. Yeah. In a much more effective way. I to me that would just be boring though. Like if every one of them's like I'm neglected by my parents. My parents don't love me. My parents don't talk to me. They don't come to my band concert. Like if like we would get tired with that. Like like at, at least they they make an attempt to differentiate. You know what the parents are doing to each other. You're not man enough to kill this goat. I don't want to talk to you because I'm still hung up on Georgie's just just like you are, son. Like I want to have sex with you, Beverly. Ugh. Like like it's like I want to. I'm gonna keep you in a bubble, Eddie. Eddie. Like. I think it's also hard too, Matt, to like shortchange like where that's gonna play out as well until we see the next film. Because King's novel in and of itself is actually interspersed with both of these stories. Right, right, yeah, that's so, a small feat to fix that. Here, we'll talk next week. If we don't see like, you know, any kind of change, you know, based on the like what the parents set up for them, like that fear of like, I gotta get away from dad. I don't want to be trapped by my mother. I need to be man enough to shoot this. Go. We, we. I want to see how those play out. And I think it's hard here when they we are just we're just kids throughout. But I, th I think at the same time, I think we still get the same goal. I mean, I think they. Oh no! They, yeah, we're both at the same place where we recognize these kids are on their own, and they have to man up, and they have to take. Uh, they have to take on this Pennywise clown. So I think. I think that. I think that works. I'm able to get here with that. Okay, so yes. it might be messy. No, no, no. Like it, it's for, me for me. It doesn't have to be messy for yeah. you. Can I say one more thing about this, and then we can put this to bed for a minute? Okay. Um, if none of these parents are involved in these kids' lives, mm -hmm. 
and it's because Pennywise has some influence over them. Mm -hmm. Then I think what I also see as a possibility right now, just to this moment, right now, what I've just sort of come to this conclusion Mm -hmm. is you get not seven versus one, you get seven versus Pennywise and a town of minions. And inside of that, I'm okay with. I'm going to give you a placebo. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be rapey as your dad. Yeah. I'm going to bang on you for not knowing the Torah. Yeah. I'm going to like w- w- put in whatever um, domestic crisis or conflict you want to fit. And we get, I think, what can be. And it, it like this actually is done regardless what I'm about to say. Yeah, yeah. We get a further development of individual characters, which is no trick mm-hmm. in an ensemble piece to do. Stuff. But then it's. Not just the seven us against this clown in this well and these floating kids up in the air. Yeah. It's the whole goddamn town. Yeah. And I'd want to say I'd like to see that. But if I want to see that, I'm just going to open up Salem's Lot and do that instead because that does that way better. Which is why it's better. Which is why it's better. Like, yeah, I think there's a reason why I can't get through this book because, like, it's not as captivating as, as Salem's Lot. I mean, I mean, it's ta- it's dealing with a lot of similar things. This almighty town that embodies evil, man. That's something that King likes to do. Whether he's embodying evil in a hotel or yeah. towns or like whatever, like it's meant to be something of like a, a greater type of uh, threat to a truce and to an understanding. Finally, <laughs> to a truce in Derry, Maine. Yes. Yes. So let's actually get right to it. Let's let's kind of speed it up a bit here. So yeah. the the the, the, ki- the kids muster up. They find out a lot about the town where uh, you know what the barons could lead to, and you know they're this collective group now. Now with Mike, and by far my favorite scene of the film, and in in the in the book it's actually a scrapbook. This slide projector scene. Check me yeah. too. I think just like for its use the, with with the visual with the screen and how it just starts flipping through the slides yeah. and the kids are just flipping out. Yeah, like I think that's effective and the way he kind of protrudes through the screen like monstrous. Like th- that's effective for me. It's when Pennywise starts turning into like gobbledygook fantasy jabberwocky blabbery mouth. <laughs> yes, Jab- I know exactly what you're talking Jabberwocky, about. Jabberwocky, that's perfect. Yeah. Uh, bendy man. Yes. Yeah. But here like this is great. Like and to me this is the standout like kind of moment from from the film. So you put that on Instagram this week yeah. and I think that's my favorite point in the movie too. And again, I'm not doing this just to say I'm going to disagree with Jesse and everything today. I love that scene mm-hmm. until he comes out of the screen and the projector just leave him as this entity in there and then you could even have mm-hmm. after they kick the projector over mm-hmm. like it's still working on its own it doesn't even need electricity yeah and then like it just like it stops with a close on him and he's yeah like to have him jump out and <laughs> i don't even know what you call these things but here's what i thought of when i saw this okay yeah. to have him jump out of the screen and kind of like rah, in the garage after these kids yeah it reminded me of those blow up uh, oh, the, sales dummies in yeah. front of like the car lot like yeah. those well, yeah. I don't even know what the hell you call those things yeah. it's that's bad Jesse you know why I'm okay for like, me that's bad yeah, you know why I'm okay buying with it because it's done like in like sequential like the lights are cutting out on that's the projector cool. too so that's cool we don't have to focus on it a lot it becomes right. a problem for me at the end when it's like all we're looking at like but that's a we're gonna talk about that's the Hollywood way of making horror films which I kind of don't agree with I think at this point we both agree yeah. there is a substantial amount of excess 
that is unnecessary yeah. in this film. Okay, let's but keep the, going because we are yeah. we are running yeah. running here. That's Hollywood making a horror film though. So yeah. then we make it to the house on Kneebold Street, which they've determined is the location of the of the the well house. Which mm-hmm. through their kind of investigation, uh, they've discovered that like all these incidents kind of stem from this one central location. Yeah. So this is Pennywise's home front. He needs to hire a landscaper. Boy, and how, and not a leper landscaper. Yeah. What I do like here in this moment, and again, I can't compare it to the book now because I didn't get this far. <laughs> I like how they pick only three boys to go into the house here. Like we can focus on these three and, you know, prey on, on each of them in, 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 in a different way, whether that's through Betty Ripsom's decomposed body, through this kind of like weird clown room. Like we can kind of we can kind of do that with, with focusing on three. And I think that's a problem with me just in this story is there's it's too many kids. Like it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot to focus on. Seven's a lot to even remember. Not even develop as a writer, yeah. but as an audience participant to just remember. I think six. I mean, my wife and I are actually watching Friends, and like that's like a good element to like focus on. Like it, yeah. like they, they match up well. Like seven, like it's 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 like one too many. <laughs> yeah. So like we get in here and we get like again we get Bill Skarsgård kind of like creepy crawly kind of tumbling out of the. Out of the refrigerator, one thing I found in my research was that Bill Skarsgård is actually 6'4". Wow, I didn't know that. He's, he's a tall dude, so like physically imposing towards these kids that are like, what, 5'2 to like 5'6 huh. right now? I've seen that helps a lot, yeah. What what also, like, let's talk about just his costume right now. We don't have to linger on Pennywise too much, but like very much in in novel and, and miniseries, which is what I have to refer to, He's very bozo the clown like in well like said, yes. clown shoes and like boppy like design. Here they went for like this kind of Victorianish like sideshow like hmm. circus look. Do you do you like that a little bit better than like bozo the clown? I think it's a little creepier. Yeah, I do actually. Um, now that you mentioned, I had never even considered that. Yeah. Yes, uh, bozo's kind of friendly mm-hmm. as much as any clown can be friendly, which yeah. is on this horror meter somewhere between seven and 10. Yeah. 10 being like you had a heart attack. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know, yeah. I know that we don't like to dabble too much in prequel talk as well, but like, are you a little curious as to like, yes, how Pennywise started yes. this thing? I wonder and, if we're going to get that a little bit. And here's what I really want to know is why Pennywise chose the mantle of clown. Sure. As the iteration, I get that it might draw kids in, mm-hmm. but there's that one line in there where all of the kids in mm-hmm. the house are admitting what they're scared of. Yeah. Or no, maybe it's the garage. It's the garage, mm-hmm. I believe, before that projector thing. Finn Wolfhard yeah. says, man, I'm scared of clowns. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's a one-off. That's most kids, yeah. really, right? Yeah. Which is kind of fucking crazy. Why do we bring them to children's parties? Mm-hmm. But that's another thing we could get into someday, maybe. Yeah. Like, like what we do at children's parties that are just so strange. Anyhow, <laughs> think about it. Like, bouncy house is full of germs. Yeah. And pen the tail on the fucking donkey. Like, what is that? Yeah. Like, sticking it. Like, weird stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah. Right? I mean, yeah, we yeah. could go on and I on and on. I wonder how that, all that Even started. Even Blind Man's Bluff. Like, should we talk about the bird? Anyway, I'm, I'm yeah. going off here on yeah. a tangent. Um, I guess the answer to my question in a long way is, yes, it's creepy. Yeah. And I think I think then we're then we're a little more scared of our of our antagonistical element instead of like kind of like mocking it for like coming across as ridiculous. I think we can generally be afraid of it like whenever we kind of see it come across. And that's what I like about the first two thirds of this of this film is that Pennywise, when used, he's used sparingly. Right. Off in the distance, uh, a brief line here, 
uh, on the television. And then it's when we get into this third act, which we're in when the kids kind of break up. They've had a falling out mm-hmm. and, you know, they really can't like defeat him unless they come together. So we got to have that moment again. They all got to come together, break up to come back together. <laughs> but uh, it's Second act reversal. Yeah. It's when we it's just it's just too much of him. Mm-hmm. This 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 doesn't happen in horror films. I like like Jaws or Alien. I think the monsters are used sparingly in there. And primarily a lot of that's because what they designed for it, like just didn't work on screen. You know what I mean? And it does happen in horror films that you don't like, like the nun. Yeah. Yeah. The nun. Too much. I think the conjuring films are a little guilty of that too. Uh, A lot of modern horror has this propensity to really overshow the monster when I don't think you really need to. I mean, the, the, the greatest horror definition to sum up horror is, what you don't see is scarier than what you do see. Right. The implication of what's creeping around in that shadows is much more terrifying than fully showing the monster. So if uncanny is a philosophical belief that you have to be okay with in horror, the return of the repressed, yeah. then you're on to something. Mm-hmm. But the return of the pressed, the, I'm sorry, the return of the repressed in small amounts is effective. The return of the repressed as a buffet ends up just being therapy. Mm-hmm. Do you see what I'm? Do you understand the difference I'm making? There? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think at this last third of the movie, I'm with you a hundred percent here. Like it's too, he too be, much. He becomes too much. And this is the novel. This is the miniseries. This is this version. And I honestly, Matt, this is the most toned down version of that. <laughs> like, yeah. they had some restraint, but he just becomes like overly ridiculous. So the kids band together. They go back to Nebold House. They're going into the well because Beverly's been kidnapped by Pennywise. And she's floating up again, Matt. Like, I'm not going to disagree with you on this. Like, this it's just too ridiculous for me. Like, we've had tangible horror that we can feel, and now he literally opens up his mouth, and everyone's floating around this mass of this like circus wreckage. Like, I'm just like, it's too much. Like, well, off mic, I'm going to tell you that's this isn't even me. That's you're the one that brought that up. Yeah, I think that you are you were there before I was Mm -hmm. saying that, and it's. Okay, so we've got the collection of kids that he's collected in Derry over, I don't know, three generations or however long he's been there. Mm -hmm. And they're just sort of suspended. Here's what I don't understand. Like, isn't he supposed to eat them? Yeah. Like, I I don't know what he's saving them for. The film film doesn't tell us that. And, like, if it's a kiss, which is what they plant, or what's his, um, my guy, Ben, Ben. plants on Beverly. Beverly to bring her back from her comatic state. Yeah. Puck her up, Buttercup. Let's go. Let's rescue some fucking kids. Let's get the rest of them. As as hard as I've been, though, this is another, the second best part in this movie for me. Okay. When Mike is down there. Mm-hmm. And he, no, what I'm saying. Is his name Ben. Mike? Scott. No, the, the brother, the surviving brother. Oh, Georgie. See, this is a, pro, no, that's the dead one. Who's the living one? Oh, <laughs> Bill. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. No, right. it's hard. This it's, is the seven number. Yeah. When Bill. Mm-hmm. Is talking to Georgie, who's missing his arm, and mm-hmm. he's saying, "Will you take me home to mom?" And I know that it's it's mm-hmm. Pennywise pretending. Mm-hmm. That's pretty heart wrenching, man. Mm-hmm. And as as someone who has looked after little ones mm-hmm. pretty much his entire life, yeah, in one way or another, yeah, I just want to be like, "Yeah, man, take that kid." And mm-hmm. I will give that scene a lot of credit, yeah, for all the floating nonsense in the air of kids, yeah. But again, here's my kind of through line. Why isn't Georgie floating? I know because it's no, I, Pennywise, I, but like, I don't know. I don't, why have a, isn't, I don't have an answer for you. Shouldn't isn't a better way, Jesse? Again, we're I'm sour mashing this right now. Yeah, isn't a better thing to pull Georgie out of the sky and sit him down, snap him to, and they have this conversation, and then he says no, 
and then paint. Like, I just, they need to sarmash that. Go. They don't even need to be floating. Like, I don't know what that does. I don't know what that does just at all. Just make it, oh, this is weird. It's just a pile of bodies, and they're all talking from the body pile. Stupid. Yeah, like, I don't know why they're doing that. But I got to come back to the parents one more time. No, no, yeah, why? I think it's been, an, I think, look, I yeah, know I the know. listeners are going to be like, oh, my God, Matt and Jesse are into it. Go back and listen to Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. But secondly, that's part of it. Yeah. That's why we love this. And as, as much as they, 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 they do set that up, I feel like they, 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 they do, in a way, pay off, like, the okay. kids... You know, standing up to those adult elements, whether that's Beverly smashing her father with the yeah. with the toilet thing, Henry Bowers killing his dad, or Eddie telling his mom these are gazebos, <laughs> like and and this is and yeah, gazebos, yeah. yeah, and this is Bill's element with 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 Georgie is he fears Georgie's like mysterious disappearance and to find the mystery of that, and he's able to tell Georgie, no, you you're dead, I can't, I'm like, and so this works for me, like the, the, this element. No, like, yeah, don't yeah. disagreements. Yeah, so I, I'm not. Yeah. it's not not working for me either. Yeah. So, so so real quick, like one thing, that the other. So apart from the fantastical Pennywise craziness that's happening in this end sequence, one of the things that and if this wasn't in the theater, so I don't know what happened on the Blu-ray 4K transfer of this film. But in the theater, I, th- I was able to see everything really clearly. When I was watching it last night, like the, this scene in the in the the Barrens or in this quarry. Yeah. I, I had a hard time seeing what was happening. It was so dark. Like, I couldn't, like, see the people and, like, see what was happening. But I didn't feel that in the theater. But here at home, like, I can't... I don't know if it's my TV or what, but I don't think it is. The camera's pretty active in that scene. It's, yeah. it's pretty mobile. Mm-hmm. We've talked about that. Like, in an action sequence, maybe it's better to just be stationary. Yeah. Uh, I didn't have to rewatch it. Yeah. I watched it last night, too. But I'm just going to say, I probably didn't rewatch it because at this point, I was just like, just... Let's just hurry up and get to yeah. it. Let's just get to I it. I didn't have to rewatch it. I was just like, why is it so dark? Like, yeah. it's, it's weird. Like, I don't it, think I cared anymore. It's almost like you have to pump up the brightness on your TV settings. And I shouldn't have to do that on my movies when I bring them home. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It should be like a direct replication of what you saw in the theater. Here's what else is really interesting to me, too. I think in this scene, Bill does a good job of showing that he's not scared anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's a pretty brave thing to tell his son. Yeah. Or, I'm sorry, his son, his little brother. Yeah. I can't take you home. Mm-hmm. So the result of that is he lays on the floor, goes into some spastic seizure that was more probably a tantrum than anything. And Pennywise emerges from Georgie. And I'm just going to go back to what I said in the opening bit with Georgie. Mm-hmm. If you're this big, powerful entity, why are you fucking around? Yeah. Just eat him already and get on with it. Yeah. I know. Oh, well, because then there's no movie. I know. Yeah. I know there's no movie. Yeah. Of course there's no movie. But it doesn't make any logical sense. And again, okay, to, to devil's advocate myself here, we don't have anywhere to go. Let's go in the basement. Get the fuck out of the house. Yeah, yeah. I, I know that. Like, yeah. I, I, I know that. And maybe the book does that, but it's, it's not clear in the film. Like, but it, like Pennywise, if you can possess this kid and pretend to be Georgie, yeah. and then you can open up your mouth and there's lights in your mouth that show where the kids are floating and you have, I don't know, 6,000 teeth. Mm-hmm. Just get on with it, man. Yeah, just get on with it. No, I I I, I agree with you. So they they do win Pennywise. He mm. leaves them before he falls into the thing, and he shrivels up. He yells fear and kind of dissipates into into the into the well into the into the dark chasm. <laughs> Let me ask you a question because yeah. I I haven't read the book and I'm not going to read the book. I I haven't gotten to this part. And the first 400 pages that you read in that book. <laughs> sure. How much of that element of fear 
is played out in the text? You know, a little bit. You know, what the first 400 pages is a lot of is it's, it's setting up the that opening bit and then setting up 1980, the remergence of Pennywise, and then him, uh, Mike, getting on the horn with all the adults telling him you need to come here. And then kind of showing, like, the aftermath of Georgie's death. Like, that's, like, a lot of the first 400 pages. It sounds like 400 pages of setup. It's a lot of setup. And honestly, Matt, like, the adult stuff, like, the the adult character stuff is done very well. Okay. Like, like I'm digging that. So I'm excited to actually see, like, how that how that's done in the in the coming film. It's just the road to get there. It's just, it's just so long. So I, I, I don't have... Shockingly enough, as much as we haven't seen eye to eye on this, I actually think you're talking me into maybe considering sitting down and, and plowing through this book. I don't know. Maybe I'm going to leave with your copy tonight. Yeah, you can. Okay. Because I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to... I don't think You're I'm... You're not going to... I'm not returning to it anytime soon. Okay. It, it's, it's an interesting... You know how you when you read Salem's Lot or Carrier of the Shining yeah. or Dolores Claiborne, Night Shift for that matter, it kind of just like off the tip of your tongue, you're able to just kind of just breeze through like the everything. Well, for me, that was the first five books of The Dark Tower. Too. Yeah. I loved it. In this one, I feel like I'm just getting tripped up on like... I don't know if it's just the way it's it's spread out and this is a weird criticism but like i'm like tripped up on like the explanation of everything if that makes any sense what's hard we talked about this last week with the shining too mm-hmm. it's not fair to judge the movie based on the book because those are two separate entities in and of themselves yeah but i will also nod in acknowledgement that there is a piece of that to it because right. this is the story a yeah and this is the story a to the second, I don't know what <laughs> a negative derivative, yeah, right. A negative. Okay, I think I know where you're going. With that. I think there is so, something we can judge, and I think that's the basis of story. Oh. That, that's coming from from King's novel. That's what gave us the meat of here. Okay, yeah. So I think like yeah, when you when you adapt, I mean, if there's something questionable, like well, why did they do that? Well, like I don't know. Can't blame the filmmaker. Go talk to the author. He did that. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's that's a worthy conversation. So we're left with the final blood oath between the losers, the losers club here, that if this thing ever is to show its face again, um, to we'll remember that we will come back to, to deal with this. And that's where we're kind of left off with, you know, you know, Beverly and and and, and <laughs> Bill, not Ben, having this kind of last embrace, this kiss, and then we're we're off to off to the credits. I'm very curious. I mean, it's it's hard, like, because it, it is it is one part of like probably of one bigger film. You know what I mean? Sure. So it's hard to criticize a lot of like the things that are going to be the through line that are going to parallel each other in the coming film, because mm-hmm. they do play off each other in in the novel. So it's it's, it's interesting. Like it's it's hard to 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 knock it until I kind of see the next one. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah, we might have more to talk about next week, but I do guess- you think that that is. Portend's trouble or Portend's glory? I don't know. Well, you must have some. I mean, you've been through a lot of film. You have a take going in. Like, what's your expectation? I kind of like how they separated it out this way. Yeah. Like, seeing it back and forth, back and forth. Because then by the time you reach the end, you actually have two finales. Because this is the the book is like elder to younger, back to elder, right? It yeah. goes back and forth. Yeah, I'll read, the, I'll read the chapter breaks for you here. Oh, Lord. No, 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 no. So you have... Um, it goes from like 57 to 84, 85, and then part two is June of 58, and then part three is the grown-ups, oh. part four is July of 58, and then part five is back to back to the grown-ups. So it, yes. it's, it's, it's a lot of flipping and flopping. So separating out those two linear storylines might actually be a benefit for these films. Mm-hmm. Whoever, yeah. whoever decided that one was also maybe maybe secretly a genius. <laughs> right. 
Have you ever? Oh, sorry, Matt. I want you to say what you're gonna say. But have you ever? Have you seen Andy Machetes? Have you? Did you see Mama? Yeah. Yeah. It was a pretty effective little horror film too. So I, I like Mama, Babadook, Get Out, yeah. It Follows. That whole again, less is more horror. That especially when it gets to Babadook, like yeah. I know how much you love that movie. Yeah. Yeah. In that space, mm-hmm. I know you like that space. Yeah. Because even paranormal, for a certain extent, it's mm-hmm. what you never see, mm-hmm. and then about the time you see it, you're like, "Oh fuck! Well, you were in that." Yeah. Um, I'm right. Yes. Yes. Sure. Yes. So let's get to our ratings. We got Rock Gut, Well, Call, Single Barrel, and Top Shelf. I'll let you go first this Look, week. Look, I spent, what are we now, 75 minutes into yeah, this, yeah. arguing with you and banging on this movie. I'm, but I'm, I, can't, I can't sit here across the desk from you and say, this is a terrible film. Because yeah. it's not a terrible film. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's because the last six to nine weeks have had such a non-indelible imprint yeah. upon my movie-going experience. Maybe sure. I'm just in that space right now. Yeah. In the first viewing, it was palatable enough. I remember walking out of the theater um, thinking, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I didn't want to run out. and I was mostly entertained, and I liked the interaction between the kids. And I tend to be a fan of Finn Wolfhard. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite character in Stranger Things, yeah. too. He's kind of playing the same character in both of these two series. Yeah, he's, he's good in this film, He's too. good at it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just call, man. Yeah. Like, I can't, I'm not even going to say call minus or yeah. call plus. It's just call. Yeah. Call's probably pretty good, though, for a Stephen King adaptation. Well, okay. So you, <laughs> you got to it, right? Like, yeah. if we look at his, the totality of all his films, including Silver Bullet and Maximum Overdrive, <laughs> Call's like a Grand Slam walk-off with two outs and two strikes in the ninth. It in the really World is. Series, like, right? like, even for me, I might have, like, The Shining, um, Shawshank, in Top Shelf. Everything else, like there's a bunch of single barrel, like Green, Green Mile's pretty good. Green right? Mile, I love Christine. Stand uh, by me. Car- Carrie's in there for sure. Say, or maybe not the adaptation, but the book for sure. Well, you know what though? Since you brought it up, I'm going to ask you. Yeah. I, okay. So I hope someday we can tell this story because I really do have a good story about this. But mm-hmm. for everything, and we talk about it a lot. Like we probably need to do someday when we don't know what to do. Yeah. A Salem's Lot review because we talk about that sure. movie so much. Yeah. That movie is a monumental story for me, and we'll get to it someday. But yeah. as bad as that B-list movie is yeah. with Starsky or Hutch or yeah. whoever David Soul was. Yeah, David Soul. There's stuff that was there's stuff that's good, A-list-ish <clears throat> that's worse, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's not to say that, that it is worse. No, 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 no. It is better than Salem's no, Lot. Yeah. When, you, when, you break, when you truly look at everything that's been adapted from King, I think there's more bad than good Like like when you truly look at it. So I think I fall into the camp of... I'm a call plus like single barrel minus. I really think like, Matt, like I don't envy Machete and the people involved in making this film and just having it being totally revolved around children. Like this is a nightmare production (laughs) in my brain. Like to get great performances out of seven kids. Again, like at the excess of kids, you have to get it out of seven of them. And I think, I don't think they fail in that regard. I think they're likable. I think they're entertaining. They're funny. They keep your attention. You're able to get behind them. You want to see them succeed in the defeat of this monster. That really does it for me. I dig Pennywise when he's used sparingly. Um, I, I like the, the 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 change to the to the to the eighty setting. I just that that works for me. Like like I don't know how other way to put that. It just it's it's a better fit for me. But. Yeah, it's 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 not his worst adaptation. No. It's, it's not his best. No, it, right, I, yes. I, I'm with you. Like it's 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 right there in the middle. But 
I would just want to read some of the numbers for you too, Matt. Like, please. Gross over seven hundred million worldwide. Uh, that's twentieth unadjusted for inflation. Um, is the highest grossing R-rated horror film of all time. The highest grossing horror film internationally, and the highest grossing horror film of all time. It's the highest grossing September film of all time too. There's something to that. I mean, like I think audiences flock to this. You know, with the Stephen King name, the, the the fear of clowns. But like, I think there was enough in there that was captivating for people to go see this film. I think it's. We talk about people. A lot of time. People weren't saying the same thing about the Dark Tower that same year. Fair, yeah. <laughs> right? So much of success is timing. Yes, yeah. mm-hmm. I don't just mean in film. I mean in life. Mm-hmm. And I will also argue that success rarely looks like what you set out for it to look like. Oh no! But in film, it revolves around one thing, and it's money. Yep. It came out in September. It was. We talk about that as being like the dead month. Yeah. Right. So that you basically can dominate the market if you have something that's good. Mm-hmm. And this was good enough. Mm-hmm. And it also is um, a, a beneficiary of timing insofar as we are clearly mm-hmm. in pop culture in an 80s revivalist movement, movement right mm-hmm. now. And to that, for everything that I said, like no one really wore that except for one summer, and there's a whole lot of other stuff. Mm-hmm. Like they can throw me the middle finger and says, "Well, I got you know 17 billion reasons to tell you that are green that'll tell you you're yeah, wrong." Exactly. And yeah. so they did a good job of yeah. exploiting that market at mm-hmm. the time, the mm-hmm. economics. Of yeah. it. So I'll give them credit. Yeah. And obviously, it's well received enough to make a second version of this. And you know, I'm going to tell you in two weeks mm-hmm. or a week, yeah, it's going to kill. Yeah. It's going to win the weekend. It'll probably. Be good for all of September because nothing else is coming out. <laughs> Who didn't see one that's not going to see two? Yeah, you want to see the story conclude. That's like, I'm pretty good with Star Wars and Empire, but I'm not going to see Jedi. Like, no, well, of course you're going to. Of course to. you are. Even if you hated Empire, you're going to go see Jedi. Just because I want the conclusion of the story. Let's talk about for a minute. Okay. I think so. I said call and you said... I'm like call plus, call plus single, single barrel. barrel minus. Yeah. That's fair. Um, I kind of asked you this earlier, but like... As you sit here, right here before me yeah. in this moment, mm-hmm. what is your expectation, not your hope, mm-hmm. but what's your expectation for the rating you can give it part two next week? Of like our ratings? Yep. Where are you gonna what what do you hope? I hope I can go to as like a single barrel plus. I hope it So you really want it to be good. Yeah, I hope it eclipses the ambition of, of, of this film. Okay. The reason I'd be hesitant to like fully embrace that is just because I know the direction this part of the story takes. And if they were wise, they would definitely tweak some things to like not make it be so ridiculous. If they do that, I think that, that there's something there to expand on. So I'm going to tell you, are you done? But, but very rarely do like films get the opportunity to play with, with older adult versions of themselves. Yeah. Unless it's like one of these sequels that was made in the 70s and they're, remade, and they're doing the second version now. Like this is, I think this is a unique monster. I don't think this has ever been done like quite like this before. Okay. Yeah. Um. So I hope it's good. Mm-hmm. I hope. I hope I can get to. I go into any movie hoping it's good. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to see shit. It's kind of a stupid comment. No, 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 no. Yeah, you're right. Like I hope it's call plus mm-hmm. to single barrel. I know it's not going to be top shelf because mm-hmm. I just know it's not because I know what the material is they have to work with. But yeah. here's my thoughts. Mm-hmm. I already sort of prefaced it earlier. Am I going to be able to tell who the character was grown up? Because that has to do with the writing of progress. Mm-hmm. Um, we've also got some weird shit going on with like space turtles and this group of sort of this eternal esque um, overseeing that we've also sort of seen in the Dark Tower with that bear. And there's there's some 
And people are like, what is he fucking talking about? Exactly. This is the king I don't like. They've got to figure out that because it gets to be pretty space odyssey. Like David Bowie looks grounded in, compared to some of this shit. And then... Um, it's Pennywise. Mm-hmm. Are we going to get... Like at this point, I'm pretty close to saturation with Pennywise. Mm-hmm. He's got to be in the movie. Yeah, no, definitely. Now, I will say this. Yeah. The one scene that I've really watched, which is that Jessica Chastain scene oh, with the old in that lady. old lady's house, yeah. Yeah. that's pretty effective, Yeah, but that's three minutes. Mm-hmm. So I'm going in with high hopes, like you said. Of course, you go into a movie like, I hope this is going to be good. Yeah, I think today I'm going to tell you that I'm expecting call plus to... Okay. No, no, no. Call minus to well plus on this. Okay. They've got some really big obstacles oh, to yeah. overcome. I think I think so too. But they've shown the propensity to do that because we didn't talk about this all. Like in the book, compared to the movie, mm-hmm. the Beverly gangbang scene in the movie <laughs> oh. compared to what it was versus the book, they really navigated those waters quite successfully <laughs> yeah, was... in the movie. Yes, right. Like for everybody that doesn't Can't know what we're talking sh- about, go, go, the go kids ahead. all bang out Beverly in the book. Oh, Every yeah. one of them. Yeah, you got so she can calm them down. Yeah. Fuck you, Stephen King. Yeah, that's yeah. Can't show that on film. Thank God. Yeah, so well, the, you can, but that's a different kind of film. Yeah, so... You no, know, yeah. No, I'm with you. So... What the film has actually working for me, they actually have three of my favorite actors in this film. James McAvoy, Bill yeah. Hader, and Jessica Chastain. Yeah. I love all three of them. Me too. And this isn't the first movie they've been in to, uh, together. They've been in films before, so there's a chemistry there. So... Yeah, what, what did Bill Hader's Jessica Chastain in? They were in this great two-part opus called The Disappearance of Eleanor Rigby. Oh, yeah. And it's actually done part one and part two, and one's from his perspective, and one's from her perspective, and it's this breakup. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. And and then there's a third one, and it's actually, like, both perspectives, but it's not the same as watching them together. Aren't you guys coming in? Uh-uh. It's gray water. What the hell is gray water? It's basically... Piss and shit, so I'm just telling you, you guys are splashed around in millions of gallons of dairy pee. So, what are you, are you serious? What are you... It doesn't smell like caca to me, senor. Okay, I, I, I can smell that from here. It's probably just your breath wafting back into your face. Have you ever heard of a staph infection? Also, a staph infection. so unsanitary. You're literally, this is literally like swimming inside of a toilet bowl right now. I mean, have you ever heard of a listeria? No! It's just, are you retarded? I mean, you're, you're the reason why we're in this position right now. All right, let's wrap up this episode with a nightcap, you know, kind of thinking about, you know, it and it's kind of a decade uh, decision to shift from the 50s to the 80s, which I liked. But, you know, what's a film remake that could actually do with a similar change that might actually improve the content? <laughs> so right. I'll, I'll let you go first. Um, this is really an important movie for you and me, isn't it? Mm-hmm. The one I'm about to give you. Okay. Because it's Rebecca. And one of the earliest sort of like, hey, you and me are going to be friends things was like a Rebecca poster that you gave me. (laughs) Yeah. Because you knew that I loved that film. Mm -hmm. I really, really love Rebecca. And I think that that being set in Victorian era repression with what you can't see. And that's part of the reason why that movie works. Mm -hmm. 1939 is a long time ago. Sure. To be remade today with what may be... With some directorial expertise, and I would have to consider who would be doing it, mm-hmm. I think could be done really, really well in Cooley. That's essentially the story of a widower takes a new wife, and she has to live up to the moniker of the previous wife. 
and especially that is sort of played out through the the maid mm-hmm. the second mrs de winter has to live up to the first as mrs de winter and then when we uncover why the first mrs de winter is not around the story gets awesome um if rebecca was set contemporarily and by that I mean I, I don't want a fucking castle. Yeah. I don't want any Victorian. I just I don't want it to be set at eighteen boring. Like a high rise apartment, like somewhere that is yeah. modern day. I think we could really be on the same way. Right. Here you go. David Fincher, George Clooney, maybe Blake Lively. Like what 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 do you think for that for your remake of Rebecca? I'm not sure if you're telling me about the film noir that I'll never see yeah, or yeah. the Rebecca remake that I'll never see, there, but I'm intrigued. There you go. Um look, look if uh if uh, Sidney Pollock was still alive, I could see him taking a crack at this. It's not that movie, but Robert Redford and Ordinary People, I could maybe see that. But I think that that could be done well. And you know what's crazy about that film? Yeah. That's actually the only movie yeah. that Hitchcock ever won any Academy Award for. Best he Picture. He never yeah. won Best Picture, but mm-hmm. he won, or Best Director, but he won Best Picture mm-hmm. for that. Yeah. Um, which is shocking yeah, if v- you think Very about shocking. It. So Rebecca's my my. I think that I think that'd be great. I mean, like you treat it less gothic and more like suburban, yeah, suburban wealth. Yeah, I mean, there's a film I think I made you watch years ago called The Invitation. Yep. So even something like that along those lines, I yeah. think you can kind of get that same feeling across. Yeah. I'm actually gonna steal a film, Matt, that you talked about last week. Uh, Eyes without a face. You know, for where it's set in French countryside, 1960s, while it it works, you know, in that film. Man, contemporary, like, Bible Belt, uh, like, Missouri-ish type of of scenario. You're playing on, like, Texas Chainsaw and, like, that type of thing. That could be fun, too. Like, modern day, eyes without a face, like, rural setting. You could do the same thing. I mean, I think that'd be great. It could be great. It yeah. would be no small task. We cracked. We took a crack at that for a minute. Remember mm-hmm. when we were trying to sort of adapt that a yeah. little bit, yeah. and we couldn't. Oh, I love it. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, that, if you ooh, uh, when you hit, when you said Bible Belt, you had me. Yeah, that changes things dramatically. Dramatically, it's a little different than French countryside, isn't it? Indeed. Yeah, and that that kind of just that plays on like I don't like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like. Yeah. Like I, I I like what the film is trying to do, but like as a film, it's like it's really messy. But, like, there's something about that part of the United States that evokes a different type of horror. And whether that's the isolation of uh, metropolis, like, like metropolitan cities, and, you know, like, whether it's agriculture or, you know, like, that really heavy-handed religious element. Mm. There's something about that part of the United States. To you listeners out there, is it scary out there? Let me know. <laughs> <laughs> But I think you could play on horn in like many different ways in that area. There's a reason the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is as its legacy Monumental as is, it is as of itself. It's because of where it's set sure. more than anything. Right. I couldn't th- kind of thought the Wild Bunch, and I actually think a remake of that is in play by Antoine Fuqua with Michael Fassbender, Peter Dinklage, and someone else. I think that could be awesome. I don't know if it's going to be another western or, but man, like. In like New York City, like crime, like that could be that could be great too. Like that, like think of how you could like shift like the genesis of that film into another decade. I think it benefited it in the most subtle of ways. I think other films could also kind of reap those rewards as well. The Wild Bunch for me has a lot of possibilities. Is this is these cowboys trying to keep the West alive so that they remain relevant? Mm-hmm. 
And the movie starts off with those kids burning those ants underneath that magnifying glass, which is essentially a statement from Peckinpah mm-hmm. about technology and how the, the, the cowboy's not needed anymore. What? Where are they? So I guess the question I would say with that would be you'd have to find the dying part of society that might be maybe it's you know it might maybe it's factory worker or it's youths on their phones in a gaze you know what i mean like oh yeah that could be so cool we got to do the wild bunch one of these days like that might be like a three-hour episode oh but for what that film means for for not only the western but for for film and hollywood that those directors and actors involved and the level of violence for the time it's Look, a, even if we just did a Peckin' podcast and did the Wild Bunch and Straw Dogs and who even cares about oh, the third entry yeah. is, man, that could be awesome. Yeah, that would be a good cast. Yeah. One of these days, listeners. One of these days. All right, Matt. All right, so buddy. cheers. Cheers. I got to get going. I'm going to go find Pennywise. I'm going to sick him on you for like how cruel you were to those parents earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got yeah okay I got that's good you'll, got that. you'll greet him at the front door yeah excellent we'll see y'all next week with it chapter two it's gonna be a fun one that's for sure everybody have a good week we'll see you in the dark thank you for listening to rye smile films follow us on facebook and instagram to stay in the know for future episodes and be sure to subscribe to us on apple podcasts spotify podbean youtube Stitcher Radio, and leave us an email at ricemileproductions at gmail.com. It is property of Warner Brothers Pictures, New Line Cinema, Lynn Pictures, Vertigo Entertainment, and Catsmith Productions, and no copyright infringement is intended. Until next time, cheers. I swear, I swear if it isn't dead. If it ever comes back, we'll come back too.